Good morning. This is Donna Quinn, and for the next half hour, you'll be listening to Talk of Our Towns. Today, we're going to find out about Haunted Graveyard of the Pacific, a brand new book published by Arcadia Press. The author, Ira Wesley Kitmacher, is on the phone today, and there is a book signing and a presentation at the Columbia River Maritime Museum or Haunted Graveyard of the Pacific on Sunday, July 25th at 11 and 2, and then there's another presentation book signing at Godfather's on August 7th. But let's talk to Ira and find out about his brand-new book. Good morning, Ira. Good morning, Donna. How are you? Fine. Thank you so much. Um, I appreciate you making time. I know you're on a road trip at the moment, so it's nice that Graham was able to connect us through the phone here. So before we start talking about uh, your book and why you decided to write it, let's um, introduce you to the listening audience, please. Tell us about yourself. Okay, thank you. And again, thank you for having me on your program. Um, it's a pleasure talking with you. So, um, as you mentioned, I wrote this book, Haunted Graveyard of the Pacific, um, and it's going to actually be published widely on July 26th. And as you mentioned, it's going to be uh, launched at the Columbia River Maritime Museum on July 25th, the day before. It's published uh, more widely. And my background, I would describe as um, an eclectic one. Um, I was a senior federal executive, uh, primarily in, in the western U.S., but also for a period of time in Washington, D.C. And um, But in addition to being a senior federal executive, I've worn many hats over the years. Um, I've served as a professor for Georgetown University in Washington, Portland State, um, and Grace Harbor College in Aberdeen, Washington. And um, it was during my time, uh, my initial time on the West Coast, I should say that after being in Washington, D.C. for a period of time, we, uh, my wife and I have since moved back um, to the West, and we have settled um, on Washington State's Long Beach uh, Peninsula, just north of Astoria. And we love the area. It's fascinating. And, um, um, and I decided to write this book um, because as I was living here in, in the West initially, I made many trips up to the Pacific Northwest, um, including uh, the region around Astoria, and I became fascinated with the history um, and um, just the environment of the area, and I became familiar with uh, what I would call the haunted history of the area. So that's when I decided to um, to write this book, and um, uh, so I say that I'm retired. I actually am uh, doing many different things. I'm, I've written this book. I'm uh, also serving as a consultant, uh, again, as a professor, and um, just keeping very busy. And you have an interest in haunted history because you uh, talk a little bit, please, about your um, the tours you took. You've taken in Gettysburg and and the tombstones in Massachusetts and all of that. Because so this has been a, a, an interest of yours. This has been an interest of mine for for decades. Uh, in fact, going back to um, when I was in undergraduate school, I remember my uh, favorite course. Um, was a literature course on focusing on ghost stories. And it really has carried through um, as I lived back east. I grew up, as you mentioned, in Massachusetts, grew up um, there, um, uh, was on the West Coast, uh, the East Coast. And as you say, I've always um, taken the opportunity to take haunted uh, tours um, of areas like Charleston, South Carolina, Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, Salem, Massachusetts, uh, Tombstone, Arizona, Williamsburg, Virginia, 
Um, most of these historic towns um, do have haunted tours, and um, that's been one of my favorite pastimes is to um, is to take those tours and to really dig into the the haunted history um, of these areas. Mm-hmm. And in the book, you have a uh, you have a section where you talk about your beliefs and your approach. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that, please? Okay. So um, again, I find haunted history and these these tales um, to be fascinating. Um, I would not describe myself as being a full believer um, in the stories. Uh, however, um, I think that we all um, would like to believe that there is something more beyond this life. Um, that belief really permeates cultures, religions around the world, um, and this is not a, um, a recent. Um, phenomena. Uh, if you look back to ancient ancient civilizations, whether it be Rome or Greece, uh, Native American, um, just for different cultures and religions, there is always a a thread, a uh, similar thread running through them, uh, which is a belief in something more, something beyond this world. Um, and I think that we all um, have lost someone that we love, loved ones. We would all uh, like to have the opportunity to see them again. So I think that this um, um, this belief in something more, um, and in this case, ghosts, spirits, um, hauntings, um, uh, I think that we all would like to believe there is something more. Yeah, and um, you write in the book, legends and tales of hauntings may serve many purposes um, for believers. The tales may simply document paranormal activity. For others, it may help explain that which is not easily explained. For others, it's the experience of telling ghost stories around a fire. Tales can be fun escape for reality. And you viewed your role during the writing of this book as a historian, investigator, tale teller, resident, tour guide. And one of the things that I think is important, too, is that you have a definition, some terms that we go what is What does that mean when you say paranormal and hauntings. Can you talk a little bit about your definitions in the section of ghosts and other undead? Sure. So um, uh, when we talk about uh, paranormal, we're talking about events, phenomenon um, that go beyond the scope of normal scientific understanding. So um, I believe it was Thomas Edison who, in fact, invented the light bulb, who said, um, we don't know a millionth of one percent about anything. Um, and as my, and with my background as a former senior executive, as a professor, uh, I'm also an attorney. Um, it's been my training to question everything, and um, but I've come to the conclusion that not everything can be explained logically, uh, not everything can be explained scientifically, and so this is one area, um, this haunted history, these tales, these stories, that have been um, passed on. Um, whether through oral history, uh, through writings, ancient writings, um, there are things that we just don't that we just don't understand, and um, uh, so that's what um, that's how I would define uh, paranormal. And um, um, as far as ghosts go, um, the, I think the um, the general definition is a ghost is the soul or the spirit of someone who has died or in some cultures, animals that have died, um, that, it, that can appear to the living. Uh, and the idea is that um, our spirits um, are only temporarily inhabiting our bodies, and our spirits are separate 
from our bodies. And um, there was an interesting uh, study done back in 2017 by um, USA Today, the newspaper, that found that 45% of people believe in ghosts, uh, 32% believe ghosts can hurt the living, and 18% uh, reported being in the presence of a ghost. So what we're talking about uh, with haunted tales, ghosts, um, these are things that um, are believed by almost half uh, of the population, according to um, USA Today. And um, um, again, as you mentioned, believers, for believers, ghosts, the haunted can be good, they can be evil, they can be something in between, um, uh, they can be a, an omen or portent of death, um, and science um, generally views these haunted tales, these ghost stories, um, as things that are actually explainable through scientific means, or maybe people are making logical errors. So um, a very great difference between what believers believe and what science says. Right, and I, my own experience is someone in the community of Astoria who is a completely straight-ahead person, scientific person, would never... Uh, you know, make up anything kind of uh, outrageous. Um, she had an experience. She said hello to a ghost in the Liberty Theater and, you know, and told me. And, and I, you know, absolutely, I have no reason not to believe her. Um, and in the book, you use several different words uh, interchangeably, like you use ghost, apparition, haunt, phantom, poltergeist, specter, spirit. And then um, you have, uh, you have a, a listing of, like, you know, ectoplasm, ectomist, funnels, inanimate objects. And you want to talk a teeny bit about that, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the, your book. Sure. Um, so as you say, uh, the word ghost goes by many different words, and I think you mentioned most, if not all of them. Um, in fact, the word ghost comes from Old English um, that refers to the human spirit, the soul of the deceased. And also, as you mentioned, uh, ghosts generally take on one of five different forms, um, ectoplasm or ectomist, which um, we would typically describe as being sort of a vaporous cloud. Um, and sometimes we hear of these clouds being seen at graveyards, battlefields, historic sites. Uh, funnels is the second form that um, ghosts or spirits generally take. And many times they're experienced in homes or historical buildings as being cold spots, um, spiraling light, spirals of lights. Um, I know that I've experienced on occasion a cold, uh, a feeling of cold or a cold spot, and um, and one has to stop and wonder: um, is that just poor heating in the building that we're in, or is it something more? Um, the third uh, form is an inanimate object, and those are typically described as things like ghost ships and ghost trains. Um, uh, the fourth is interactive personalities. Um, usually of a known deceased person. Um, one of the more interesting stories in this area was uh, in 1944, uh, British uh, Prime Minister Winston Churchill was staying at the White House, and he reported afterwards that uh, he was just stepping out of the bath and uh, was walking forward and immediately saw what he would describe as being the spirit of President Abraham Lincoln. And um, Churchill said that uh, he said, Good evening, Mr. President. You seem to have me at a disadvantage. So that's probably one of the better-known examples of an interactive personality. Uh, orbs are another form, sort of a transparent or translucent hovering ball of light. 
and uh, finally uh, poltergeist, which means in German, noisy ghost. And there have been many movies made about poltergeist, including a 1982 Steven Spielberg horror movie by that name. And poltergeist uh, would typically be thought of as being spirits that knock things over, make loud noises. Um, so those are the different forms that they have been said to take. Right. Okay. Thank you. And now let's talk about, we've talked about a definition of paranormal and ghosts, but let's talk about the definition, excuse me, of the graveyard of the Pacific, because your book is entitled The Haunted Graveyard of the Pacific, and I think probably most folks would think of the graveyard of the Pacific as being related to mariners, and it's kind of from the mouth of the Columbia River upriver to Astoria, so it's really the Columbia River bar. That's what, you know, which is about six miles long and three miles wide. And so I think most people would think, oh, that's the graveyard of the Pacific. It's the Columbia River Bar. However, there are other definitions because you obviously have written a road trip book um, uh, for graveyard, haunted graveyard of the Pacific. So how do you do that? It's only water. So why don't you tell us your definition of the graveyard of the Pacific? Okay. That's a, that's an excellent question. And actually, um, as you say, I wrote this book to be a road a trip, a guide um, through this incredibly rich area in which we live. And I start the book in Portland, Oregon, which is sort of the slightly inland starting point, and then quickly work my way over to the coast, going up the northern Oregon coast from Tillamook, Manzanita, Cannon Beach, um, uh, up through Warrington, Astoria, then up to the Long Beach Peninsula of Washington, then further up the coast to Vancouver Island in British Columbia, and then inland again to Seattle. And I've had at least um, one or two people, people who have um, lived in the area for quite some time, who have asked me the question, well, how do you take a road trip through the water? Because isn't the graveyard of the Pacific just the water, as you say, where the Columbia River and the Pacific Ocean meet? And the answer is no. Um, in fact, the uh, generally accepted definition of the graveyard of the Pacific is it's the stretch of the Pacific Northwest Coast uh, from Tillamook Bay in Oregon, um, going past, uh, going up north, and then going past the treacherous Columbia Bar near Astoria. The Columbia Bar being the world's most dangerous entrance to a commercial waterway, and then it continues going north. Uh, up the Washington coast to the uh, Juan de Fuca Strait that separates Canada from the U.S. Um, and then it continues up the western coast of Vancouver Island. Um, it's a combination of both the sea and uh, our area, the whole area around Story, Oregon. Of course, we've had some 2,000 shipwrecks, countless lives lost, um, uh, which is a, driv- a, a big driving force, I believe, um, in making this the haunted graveyard of the Pacific, and what I would say is one of the, if not the most haunted place uh, in America. Um, but it's both the sea and the land, because there are many reported reported hauntings on the land as well, um, whether it be the lighthouses, uh, there are a number of hotels and restaurants and museums, uh, historic sites, uh, which have countless uh, haunted stories about them, and um, so that's the um, that's the um, generally accepted definition of the graveyard of the Pacific, and um, 
And in the book, I do take us on a road trip, um, road obviously meaning land, but uh, I, I combine both the haunted tales that take place in the waters of the Pacific Ocean and Columbia River, uh, as well as these coastal areas, as I've described them. Okay, thank you, Ira. Now I'm going to just do a quick station break in case people just have tuned in and want to know what we're talking about. Um, my name is Donna Quinn. You're listening to Talk of Our Towns on KMUN. And today my guest is Ira uh, Kittmacher. Ira is Ira Wesley Kittmacher. He is the author of a brand-new book, uh, which is um, being published widely on July 26th. The name of the book is Haunted Graveyard of the Pacific. It's um, it's kind of a road trip book, and we'll talk more about that in the second half of the program. We just talked about the definition of graveyard of the Pacific, and uh, Ira is having a a book signing uh, and a presentation at the Columbia River Maritime Museum right here in Astoria. Uh, that is Sunday, uh, July twenty fifth at eleven a.m. and two p.m. And then at Godfather's on August seventh, he will be there. Uh, so you can get a copy of the book before it's actually published on the 26th. So, Ira, um, tell us a little bit about this, The how you did your research on the stories. I know you said that you were fascinated by it and you wanted people, you wrote the book because you wanted people to have a greater appreciation of the maritime and haunted history of the area. And so how did you research the book and you must have driven a lot of miles, I would think. Read I a did. lot of things. Um, I have been, and um, as I mentioned as we first started talking, I started exploring the area um, when I was first living on the West Coast, really from the um, early 1980s through the mid-2000s. And uh, so I traveled throughout the area. I lived primarily in California, but I did a lot of traveling up into Oregon and Washington State. And um, that's when I became fascinated by uh, the history um, and the climate, the environment. And so in, um, in, to answer your question, um, I should take a step back and say that um, as a former senior federal executive, as an attorney, as a professor, um, I have always uh, enjoyed and take great pride in um, research, organizing information, uh, and then writing and communicating that information. And I would describe my approach as being uh, what I would call a macro evidence-based approach. Um, and in this case, with this book, uh, analyzing the history and the environment of these haunted tales. And there are countless haunted tales that have been passed on uh, for hundreds of years, um, uh, for decades, for just a significant period of time. Um, and so this this haunted history has been reported um, fairly widely. Um, I purposely did not read any current or recent books or authors um, so as to not be influenced by how they approached things. Um, however, I did have a wealth of information on these haunted um, stories and tales, and they include things um, um, as diverse as Native American oral history, uh, which has been handed down uh, really over the centuries. Um, and has been recorded um, otherwise. Um, numerous accounts and books by um, settlers, adventurers to the area. Um, I have um, analyzed, reviewed, read uh, countless newspapers um, from local sources uh, dating back to the mid-1800s up to the present day. Um, 
I've looked at government records and reports uh, on these haunted tales. There have also been a number of academic studies uh, by universities such as Portland State University and the University of Oregon and others um, who've looked into a number of these different um, tales um, and what they would describe as folklore that have been passed down. And then also I have looked widely at um, today's social media where people have written in and talked about their own experiences uh, with haunted um, um, tales and, uh, and they pass along ghost stories. So, um, so those are the sources that I relied upon. And, um, and Donna, you mentioned towards the beginning that I view my role as being a mix of being a historian, investigator, uh, an interested tale teller, a prideful resident, and finally as a tour guide um, as I take us through this um, road trip in the book. So people can take this with them and, and go from Portland up to Seattle and, and, and see the places you talk about in the book. And were, were there some places that were particularly fascinating to you more than others? Any stories that resonated with you? Anything that um, was a surprise to you? Because you clearly had been, have gone on different ghost tours in other parts of the country, but in the Columbia Pacific region, in the graveyard of the Pacific, which is, of course, now, now it sounds like the definition is bigger than what we just think of as the Columbia River Bar. So what has surprised you or fascinated you or, um, yeah, something you maybe didn't expect to find? Well, I did not know until I started researching this book, um, for this book, that there have been at least 11 shipwrecks um, in the graveyard of the Pacific in which no trace of the crew was ever found. So uh, there are examples of um, ships and boats washing ashore, and there's just no sign of the crew. And it's never been um, determined what happened to the crew. And so um, uh, there are a number of, um, of those cases. I mentioned 11 of them, and I include them in the book. Um, and I find some of them to be um, a couple of more interesting ones. One was a pilot boat called the J.C. Cousins, uh, which was an Astoria pilot boat, um, and it wrecked in 1883. Um, and I won't I won't talk at great length, but basically the local historians at the time were shocked to look out at this um, pilot boat, the J.C. Cousins, which was acting as some people on shore described it as being possessed. It was going erratically in the water and going back and forth, and pilot boats. Um, their purpose is to help other boats get through um, the treacherous um, um, area where the Pacific and the Columbia River meet. Well, there was no ship at that time that the J.C. Cousins was helping, so it wasn't clear what it was doing. It was zigzagging. It was going back and forth. Um, and finally, um, after going, after doing this for about 24 hours, and people were, again, astounded watching, watching, watching from shore, uh, it came up onto the beach, it slammed onto the beach, uh, it took a while for the onlookers to go to help um, what they thought were the crew because uh, um, they had to wait for the waters to recede. But when they got to the boat, there was no sign of the crew. And um, it, was, it, was a mystery, it was a mysterious happening. It has not been resolved in really the last 137 years what happened to the crew of the J.C. Cousins. And uh, there's all kinds of rumors and and stories. And again, when we get into these haunted stories, um, uh, there's there's things, different theories that were passed around back in the 1880s or so um, uh, included the 
the graveyard of civics habit of swallowing ships, um, the thought that maybe there was a sea monster. Um, uh, the, the story area has a fairly large Finnish population, um, and there's a um, sea monster called the Tursus, uh, which is said to be like the kraken, a gargantuan, fierce octopus-like creature. Um, uh, other theories included maybe it was uh, there was another ghost ship that somehow ran the cousins um, ashore. It has not been resolved, so that's one interesting tale. Um, another one of these um, interesting um, uh, shipwreck type of tales um, occurred much earlier in 1693. It was the Spanish galleon, the uh, Santo Cristo uh, de Burgos, and um, um, it ran aground on what we now consider to be um, the Manzanita area. And um, this is the tale that um, uh, the way it goes fairly quickly is uh, the ship ran aground, um, the captain and about a 30, about 30 of the crew carried what was described by the Native Americans as being treasure, a treasure chest, um, onto uh, uh, Niakami uh, Mountain. Um, the story goes that the captain, knowing that the Native Americans were afraid of the dead, in fact, shot, murdered several of the crew and buried them with the treasure. And um, the treasure was then never disturbed by the Native Americans, and the captain sailed away. And since then, uh, and I should say that there's also um, stories of mysterious beeswax that was also washed ashore when the ship wrecked. And um, it's been unclear for centuries now what exactly the this beeswax is, although it's thought that at the time the Spanish were transporting beeswax to be used uh, in Catholic masses in the New World. But there's all kinds of strange dots and lines and markings on this beeswax. Wow. And uh, I, so it was... I interrupt you, but you know what? People are going to have to read that more of that in the book because we only have a couple minutes left, and I want you to be okay. able to say any last little things to the audience. I'm sorry about that, but um, I oh, know okay. in, in the Astorias Oregon section you call it Ghostoria. But anyway... Um, any last things you want the listening audience to know? And I'm, I'm so sorry we're just running out of time, darn it. Um, no, I completely understand it. Just um, I, I didn't get to, but uh, I would um, I recommend that folks read the book. In addition to these shipwrecks and seaside uh, haunted tales, there's many tales to occur on land, as you say, ghost story and Astoria and uh, Cape Disappointment and North Head Lighthouse and Oysterville and, and other areas. So, um, to summarize what we've talked about, I, I wrote The Haunted Graveyard of the Pacific to serve as a roadmap to explore the haunted history and the haunted tales of the waters and coastal areas uh, of the northern Oregon coast up through the Washington coast, so from Portland to Seattle. And um, again, we, all, we are very fortunate to be living in a fascinating area um, that um, is one of the, if not the most haunted place in America, according to these tales. And it's all accessible. It's all easily accessible. And I would recommend um, getting this book and using it as a roadmap um, to gaining access to these uh, different areas. Ira, thank you for making time to talk with us today, and even though you're on a road trip of your own. Um, and um, again, I want to mention that um, you can meet Ira at the Columbia River Maritime Museum on Sunday, July 25th. Uh, the day before the book is widely published, and that's at 11 a.m. and 2 p.m., and Godfather's on August 7th. Um, Haunted Graveyard of the Pacific, 
um, Ira Wesley Kittenmacher, thank you so much. And um, my gratitude to Graham, who made today possible with his phone skills and talents hooking us up. And also um, so much appreciation to local talented banjo instructor Michael Brown for his original theme music for this program. Until next week. Well, let's just take this moment right now. We have a minute where we can take a very deep breath together. It is so good for body, mind, and spirit. And then with gratitude, focus on the things that are going well. There are so many things in this crazy, topsy-turvy world that aren't going well. But focus, if you can, on the things that are going well with appreciation, on feeling good. And then give yourself a loving and compassionate hug or a pat on the back for being uniquely you, for doing the best you can because we really are until we know better. And for being here now, in this moment, the now moment, the only moment that exists on the amazing planet we call Earth. 